We're in Ephesians chapter 4. If you're just visiting with us this morning, we're always goofy. But at the same time, what we're doing these last few weeks, and we want to do in the next two weeks, we lost a couple Saturday, Sunday schools, is uh, we're just talking about how we, why we do what we do as a church. Why do, how do we make decisions? And we've talked just basically about some basic, uh, basic philosophy, doctrines that we're holding to, doctrines primarily. And now we're getting into the philosophy of how do we make decisions. When things come up, people suggest things. How do we go about making our decisions? And some of these principles apply not to us only, but generally how you would manage anything or operate uh, at large, families, businesses, things of that sport, uh, that side, uh, status. And so in pl- applying it, what we want to do is we want to say, okay, what we need to do is in order to make consistent and wise decisions... <clears throat> We shouldn't make decisions. We, should, we shouldn't. Leadership in the church should not make decisions. We're not going to do uh, this activity. Uh, l- let, me, let me use an illustration. Uh, we're not going to do a, a certain type of uh, uh, outreach activity because I don't like sports. Um, that, number one, that's not true. Okay, I like sports. But it shouldn't be based on my likes and dislikes. Okay, as far as what we do. It shouldn't be based on any particular person's likes or dislikes because that would be totally inconsistent because different people have different gifts, different interests. And so in the body, what we need to do is say, how do we make wise decisions that are consistent? And we have a formula. We have a plan of how we do this, not based on likes or dislikes, but based upon some different philosophy of how we approach. And so our, our way of doing it is we, do, we have a fivefold process that we've done over the years, and it's clarify our purpose, we'll remind you what that is. Identify our philosophy, identify the process we need to be going through, and then establish our priorities, which we'll talk about more this morning, and then identify our potentials. Okay, what about our resources? And so the resources is very simple. The resources is you can't do anything if you don't have the folk, the finances, facilities. You can't do things at home unless you have the people to do it, the finances, you have the facilities, you can't do it in ministry. And so that's our last filter. That's our last uh, examination. Let's do the first ones first. Okay, we've talked about this for several weeks that uh, we, well, l- let me remind you of facts. I forgot that I had this in here. There are certain facts that we, we were winding down last week and say these are facts in decision making that are really important all the way around. Okay, we can only do what we can do. You know, that old phrase, it is what it is. We can only do what we can do. Uh, based, on, based on facility, folk, finances, we can only do certain things. We can't do everything. We can't be to, or do everything everyone suggests or wants. We'll develop that a little bit more. Most likely, change may be necessary at times. It happens in your business places. There, there needs to be an adjustment as time goes by to keep up with modern technology. That's great. That, that happens. It happens in your home. It happens as your kids are growing. You're making changes. It happens in your relationship as you hit different levels. When all of a sudden, you know how it was when there was no kids in the home and all of a sudden there's kids in the home, you better make some changes on how you relate as a couple because your life has just changed drastically. It'll change again when all of a sudden there's no kids in the home. And so life is that idea, okay, what do we change to keep things going? But we don't just change for change's sake. But wise decision-making is always getting the facts. We talked about this at length last week, that what you do when you're making decisions and getting your facts together is what do we want, what do they do, what can we do? And rather than relay all that, we end up saying that there's a cross-section where that happens, okay? That's where you basically end up making your wisest decisions, where you have everything coming together at one one spot. There's always, in your decision-making, we always need to be true to our purpose 
and our philosophy, our purpose and philosophy, or our priorities. And that's what I want to develop more this morning. But let's just start off when we said in decision-making, you need to clarify what your purpose is. Businesses do it all the time. Businesses, you go into the hospital, you go somewhere, and they'll have their statement of purpose. They'll have their value statement. They'll have something saying, this is what or what, who we are. Uh, some companies, they'll have their statement, their purpose is to give the best service. Okay, then they better be focusing on service and those areas. And so we have to clarify our purpose. And we've been talking about this. We mention it every week on a purposeful uh, idea. I want you to make sure you understand our purpose is primary, not for us to get you know, thrilled and excited. It's about worship. It's about glorifying God. That is the reason we exist. We exist as a ministry to magnify our maker by mimicking the master, to become more and more like Christ, honoring and glorifying God the Father. Then we ended up here last week, and this is our philosophy. Our philosophy is based on Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 down through about verse 16. And we'll, we'll address it in a second, but I was showing you that in ministry, there's basically three three different philosophies that people operate by. There is a ministry that gets th- getting things done for people. That is, this ministry or that ministry, it is all about doing things, providing things, keeping people coming because we'll give them something. We'll, we'll have something you know, that, that you know, they could benefit by. Now, granted, I, we, want you, we want people to come so we can benefit by the Word of God. But as I use this as an illustration, one of our missionaries, they were working with the Indians. They initially did all their ministry with this in mind. Let's provide. Let's provide meals. Let's provide you know, some, some uh, education. Let's provide babysitting services. And they weren't bad things, but they became busy providing. And whenever they would start requiring anything of the Indian community who was claiming to be born again, the people backed away. They weren't getting people done. They were getting things done for the people. Okay, but that is one philosophy of ministry, and that can keep a church very busy providing, 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 and really not building people. There's another philosophy is just getting things done through people, keeping people busy. Do lots of things just to keep you busy, and we'll do a lot of things. And, and again, I'm going to use illustrations. They aren't bad things. But we could, we could fill our calendar. We could do soup kitchens. We could do clothing drives. We could do building houses. We could do all kinds of community things. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of those. But you could get, get people so busy managing as leadership, managing people and projects that were doing a lot of things and getting people busy, but we're still not developing people. We're just keeping people busy. And so that's not our goal. We have not opted to do that, okay? We haven't opted to say, let's just get people busy. I think people should be busy serving the Lord, but there's another motive and reason for that. And that is this, getting people done through people. People should be discipling people. This should be our primary goal, is what we have for programs, what we have for ministries. We don't have to do something seven days a week as a church body. We don't need to keep just busy, busy, busy uh, doing things for people to come in and be entertained and to have stuff. It should be incumbent upon us to train people so that those people go out and train other people, reach other people, uh, develop them in their spiritual life. So it's basically developing ministries where the ministry is giving individuals the, the tools by which they can go out and they can disciple other people. Now a lot of that comes from Matthew chapter 20. 
28, where that is our goal. Go in, he says that wherever you're going, disciple people. You do that by uh, teaching them the word, instructing them, baptizing them. Ephesians chapter 4 develops that even more, more uh, importantly. And again, we can use programs, we can use devices as they're helping people to build people. Let's do the Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, and let's remind ourselves, we were here a few weeks ago. It starts with verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers. And so he's giving the gifts as he's winding down. And so he's talking about the people aspect of gifts. And then he lists out why they are there. For the perfecting of the maturing, the development of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Okay, and so God has given some leadership to benefit the people in the church so that the people are able to do the work of the ministry for the edifying the body till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of Son of God unto a perfect man under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is ongoing. This purpose, this philosophy doesn't stop with just the apostles. It was to keep on going until we all get to heaven and become Christ-like and conform to him. That during this meantime we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men with cunning and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive but speaking the truth in love we may grow up into him in all things and so one of the benefits of this discipleship is grounding people helping people to be discerning helping individuals to be strong in their knowledge and their faith and he goes on till we he says uh, till we grow up into him in all things which is the head even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied the idea is everybody within that body working together doing their part and then he Here's a house illustration. In 1 Corinthians 12, it was the body illustration that you need the finger, the thumbs, the eyes, the ears. But everybody contributing. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part, making increase of the body overall unto the edifying of itself in love. So let's make some comments. Okay, What we have according to this is our job as a church ministry. Our job as a church ministry is to address spiritual concerns. We are primarily supposed to be addressing spiritual concerns. We are not a social club. We are not an athletic club. We are not a, um, a, a dieting club. We are not a whatever you want to call it. We are supposed to be focusing on spiritual concerns primarily. Okay, does that mean we can't do those other things or we cannot implement them? So, that, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that our primary job is supposed to be addressing spiritual concerns. That's what a church is about. Addressing spiritual concerns. That is, teaching people to praise and bless God, building up the saints in their faith so that they are no more tossed about, that the body is growing, that the saints are able to share the gospel and help to disciple others to the increase of the body. Okay, our goal, our primary job as a church is addressing spiritual concerns. That seems so mundane, but it's so important. Let's, let's go a step further. Okay, our job as church members. Okay, not the ministry, but now the members, is to help one another to become more like Christ. That's our job individually. As each and every one in here, we're all supposed to help one another to grow unto the measure of fullness of Jesus Christ. We're to be fitly joining together, putting in that, that mortar, helping one another to grow in Christ, every part contributing to help others to become more like Jesus Christ. It is, it is incumbent, therefore, that we encourage, that we assist one another. Not that we do things that tear down one another. Not that we, we attack other people. Not that we would gossip about other people. That would be contrary to this. Not that we would accuse. That would be contrary to this. But what we're supposed to be doing is building up, helping one another to become more like Jesus Christ. Okay? Our job as a church, 
Our job is individual parts within the church helping to be growth. That leads us to this, okay? Our job is the ministers. I'm talking about the staff in particular. Our job is to do this, equip the saints. We are to equip them with teaching and opportunities. We are to help them to grow in their personal faith. This is our job, to help you to grow, to give you tools, to teach you the Word of God. And then you... By us doing that, you are to train others to grow as well and to bring others in. We are too as members. But we're then the, our process is not to entertain you. Our process is not to keep you busy. Our, our uh, ministry is not to do everything for you. By the way, let, let's throw this out. If you're raising kids in your family and you do everything for your kids, I mean absolutely everything, what will happen when they are about to leave home? I mean, if you've done everything. I'll, I'll, I'll take you to an illustration. I'll take you to China, where in that culture they only have typically how many kids? One. Okay, so when we were there, and I've told you this before, we're at a college, and the college dean is having a conversation with my wife and I, and he is talking about the biggest struggle they have in their college in China is teaching the college students life skills. And he went on to illustrate. He said, most in, or most in China, because that one child, everybody invests in that one child. And the job of that one child is to be studying, 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 so that they can get a placement in a certain college, and then they get a degree, because once you get into that college program, you're kind of set for life. They can't, they can't flunk you. <clears throat> and he said, therefore, the parents, when the kids are at home, they, they want the kids to study, 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 but that what they would do is they would provide, in this community he was in, that they would provide and do everything. The kids would get to college, and he says the kids didn't know how to do life, basic life skills. He said, so they would have classes on how to take care of your clothes, how to, he said, he, he said quite frequently, his secretary has people coming. They don't even know what medication to take, like for aspirin and things like that. He said it was a real struggle to teach life skills, interaction, living together, different things of that sort. And maybe it's changed since we were there. But that was his, his biggest criticism is what happens is people don't have life skills. Could that happen in a church setting? That what we do is we do everything and you don't have life skills. Let, let, let me throw something out. Let me just, I'm going off, off target. This could be dangerous for me. But if we are of this philosophy... If we do a philosophy that, for instance, we do everything for you, I do your thinking for you. Therefore, I will tell you what you should watch. I will tell you what you should wear. I will tell you what music you should listen to. I should tell you um, what places you can go for entertainment. Okay, What have I not trained you to do? To think for yourself and apply biblical principles. What we should be doing is teaching our children, our young people, our congregation, teaching biblical principles so that as they grow, they know how to think and apply the scriptures for themselves. Not that we dictate. Not that we say, okay, because by the way, could different struggles affect different, uh, different folk differently? Sure. Oh, yeah, okay. And so what I might struggle with if I make that the rule for everybody, that may be unfair. 
That may be unfair that I have a struggle with, I don't, but if I throw it out, I have a struggle with playing pool because when I played pool, we did it for money and it was gambling. Therefore, I, I say pool is evil for everyone because it's struggle for me. What happens to the believer that it's not a struggle for? Is the pool table in and of itself inherently evil? Okay, so it would be dangerous. It would be dangerous to do that. And so what we need to do is we need to teach biblical principles. We need to teach the, the truth so that you can take the word and you can wisely apply it to your life with care, with caution, and not be legalistically dictatorial telling you how to think, but helping you to think, same as you do with your kids. You want them to think through. And so that's our goal in this area of equipping people. So in order to do that, we need to identify our philosophy that philosophy is what is our purpose we've just mentioned you know is it one of these three or which one is it and okay what therefore do we want from the saints in the body do we want to just keep them busy or do we want them to grow and therefore what ministries will help us to train what ministries would help us best to equip people to give opportunity for them to be able to do the outreach and the development of other people so our, our philosophy is basically we're, we're we're going to be focused on spiritual ministries that are developing outreaches and opportunities to win people to Christ and then to disciple one another and to keep people in that focus. That's our philosophy. Let's do number three. This is an easy one, but this is in this is this is kind of like you already know this. Everybody, everybody who's been saved any length of time already knows, but let me just rehearse it. There's a process by which we develop people. There's a process by which people come to the point where they are making disciples. The process is a biblical process, and we'll just, we'll just chart it this way, like a going up steps. Okay? The first thing you need to do is you need to bring people to Jesus Christ. That's where discipleship starts, yes? They need to be converted. They need to get saved. We need to be doing evangelism. Then the next thing is you bring those people to an equip, uh, a point of, of where they're committed to Christ. This is that discipleship, that initial factor of discipleship, helping them to get baptized. Oh, by the way, you're probably telling them, because they're young in the Lord, just like your kids are young, you're setting more of these standards just point blank. And you're, you're just saying, well, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. Like you do with your kids when they're little, with the hope that as they get older, you're going to train them to think more and more for themselves. But initially, you're giving them a lot of this is the basics. You start here, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this. And these are a lot of the beginning phases. Then what you're doing in this process is you're helping them, equipping them to communicate Christ with others. Okay, you want them to become to a further commitment where they are getting involved, sharing the word of God, helping others to grow in Christ. Then your step, your final step, which only God can do, is conform the individuals to Christ completely. Well, we're doing that in the process, but they're not going to have that fully happen until Jesus Christ takes us to heaven. And so, in the deve- and that's what he talks about in this passage, till we all come in the unity of Christ. And so, what happens is we have this process that says, okay, what do we need to do? We have the mature Christian. How does he get there? We want to evangelize the individual. We want to edify the individual. We want to equip them. Or if we can use it with different terminology, they got to get converted. They make a commitment and they're communicating to Christ. And we want people to grow this way. Here's the problem, okay? A lot of people grow. They grow this far. This is where we want to get to. We want to really be, you know, serving Christ, acting like Christ. But a lot of people only go so far. They don't break through this barrier and keep on going. Because some people are happy to have others tell them what to do. 
Some people would rather have somebody else tell them how to, how to uh, interpret their Bible rather than study it for themselves. Some are content just to sit and to learn and not to do service for Christ, not to witness, not to share the gospel. If you want to become more and more like Christ and be more conformed on this side of glory, you've got to break through this level. You've got to come to a point where you're saying, I'm studying the Bible for myself. It's not enough to study it with Pastor Wayne on Sunday morning. I need to be learning the Word of God. I need to get out and share the Word of God with my friends, with my neighbors, with my relatives. And I need to get over this hurdle and to grow in Christ. And I need to, in my family, work on and think about how can I conform to Christ more and more. And so we're providing stages, and our ministry is to help people, but our ultimate goal is to push people through and to get people up here. Here's where preaching goes. Here's how this applies to preaching. Should my preaching, should it focus on this level only? Should it focus on getting, just saying week after week, you need, and I'm all for this, okay, you need to get saved, you need to get saved, you need to get saved. Okay, that's great. We need to preach the gospel. We try to intertwine it most every Sunday. But what happens if our, if our preaching only becomes you've got to get saved? What happens to the rest of you? You're not going to grow. Okay? And so we say we want to do more than that. What if we're just talking about you need to get saved and get baptized? You need to get saved and get baptized. And those things are biblical, yes? Sure. You're supposed to say yes. Okay, okay. So we encourage that. Okay? But what if we're only preaching here? That doesn't help you to go up here. By the way, here's, here's the way it's usually broke out. Yeah, but, you know, and I'm giving broad statistics from those who do a lot of church study. Yeah, about 25% of your congregation is basically up here, really striving, giving out the gospel, doing things. You have about 25% of those who are coming, they're just coming, they're not doing any Bible study on their own, they're just kind of there on Sunday morning for the sake of being there, saved, but yet so as by fire. And about 50% of your congregation is figured is around in this level, in the typical church. Okay, And the problem for the preacher is we want to get these people going for the Lord that we could spend all of our, we can spend 100% of our Sunday morning preaching preaching to this group. Well, what about this group? And so here's, here's a philosophical thought. I think that the better group to preach to is this group. Because if you guys who are growing in the Lord are being fed, what happens is you naturally will do the discipleship to bring the others. And so I think our teaching and our preaching should be deep, more of an in-depth type of a preaching and teaching on a regular basis, that the diet of the church should not be, and by, don't, please don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm for revival meetings, but I don't think every Sunday for 52 weeks it should be revival meeting only, that it's just getting saved and serve God, get saved and serve God. There's got to be training on how. And sharing the word. And so a lot of what we try to do is we try to do this part of the preaching and teaching. And trying to elevate your thinking. Instead of telling you how to think, giving you principles. And I know, I'm, I, I understand, some, are, some say, you need to tell us, you know, how does this apply to my everyday life? I, I, I'm really convinced I should teach you principles. Teach you principles. Like um, First Timothy talks about the ladies in their attire. And it says, ladies should, should be attired in modest, shamefacedness, with sobriety in their attire. 
That's all he tells Timothy to, to share with the ladies. And the, the verb there is to tell the ladies to dress themselves in this fashion. He doesn't say, Timothy, you tell them what color, what design, and how long the sleeve should be, how long all the different facets. He doesn't tell them that. He gives them principles. And I think that's a biblical illustration even that, I, that I've thought in my mind that's what the goal is to be from the pulpit. Teaching people the biblical principles that they should be able as they grow in the Lord to apply in their life. So that's a philosophy. That's a choice that's made. Now here is, pro, is you know, the, the process. Okay, We need to work to get out the gospel. We understand that. In this process of developing people, we need to train, we need to equip. Therefore, we must focus on teaching saints the deep truths of God's word so they can help disciples. So whenever somebody suggests something, why don't we do this, why don't we do that, the whatever we're considering, should really ask, we should ask ourselves, is this helping us to achieve the above discipleship obligations of training and teaching? And then as a church, should that be where we invest time and energy and funds? If you want to do some of the social things on your own, great, go for it. If you want to do some of the extracurricular community, great, go for it. But where do we take the organization as a whole? Because if we get so busy doing the peripheral, what can happen? We can forget the primary and get sidetracked. So let's do this one. This is the one that's probably uh, going to be the most controversial. Is You have to identify priorities. This is truism, and I'm going to play with this a little bit just to keep you with me. No organization can become all things to all people all the time. It's a basic truism in, in sports, in, um, in business, in all facets, okay, that typically they, they have to identify who they are. Let, let's, let's do this, okay? Let's just talk about food for a second so we get you hungry, okay? Um, when it happens, restaurants and food shops, do many, many restaurants, do they determine that they are going to have a certain type of a menu? Yes or no? Okay. Um, for instance, fast food or sit down and serve? That's a choice the business makes. Okay. Do we do, we do it one way or the other? Or they make a choice. Is chicken going to be our specialty or seafood going to be our specialty? Are we going to have coffee? Coffee is going to be our specialty or donuts or pizzerias or steaks and subs. And this happens in most business. And you say, wait a minute, I visit a certain restaurant and they kind of have a broad menu. But again, they've made a choice that their broad menu, are they high end or are they a lower end menu? You, you just In general, this is a truism of our culture, is it not? That typically not every restaurant says they will be what everybody wants. So if kids come in, they have the kids' stuff. So if somebody comes in and they want the, the three, you know, six-course meal that costs 100 bucks, they will do that. Plus they will do fast food. That, that's, just, that, that's just contrary. And usually if somebody tries to do that and to become, to do everything, you know, for everybody, they don't end up doing anything really well. Okay, here, let me, let me take it a step further. Stores. Do stores decide this? Do typically stores decide, okay, this is going to be our specialty. This is who we are. We're going to be a furniture or lighting or we're going to be home accessorizing. And you say, well, no, we have Walmart. Okay, Walmart doesn't do for everybody. 
Walmart doesn't do high-end items because they're not a, you know, if you, if you love Walmart, I'm not picking on Walmart. But they aren't designed to be high-end quality, high-end high priced items. That's just not where they're at. That They've chosen not to do that. Um, and then you have some highfalutin stores that I couldn't even give you the names of that if you go in, you know, and see these commercials about somebody said, oh, I saved, you know, by coupons, I saved my, on my shoes, they cost $700 for my pair of shoes, and I saved $50. And I'm listening to the commercial and going, <laughs> a pair of shoes costing $700? I don't look at anything you saved. I look at, you spent, Okay. And so, you know, there's, there's, this, this is just the way it happens. Clothing stores, you see this frequently that they're, you know, they're going to have an identity. They're going to have what they're focusing on. Okay? You do this in med- medical field, right? A lot of what you go for medic- medicines, even if you go to a general practitioner, they're going to be limited in what they do. They're going to say, okay, I'm not typically... The, the years of Doc Baker at Walnut Grove... The only doctor. But even Doc Baker didn't do surgeries. He sent them to St. Paul, okay, in the, in the program. And it's just an idea of recognizing there's limitations, that you can't be everything to all people at all times. It happens in schools. Schools will say, okay, this is going to be a primary focus of what we're going to do. And you can do high-end or you can do, you know, the, the general curriculum. It, people understand that you can't do everything all the time. Sports teams, those of you who watch the sports, teams are known for defense or they're known for, for offense. Do they have a blend of both? Yes, but they usually have specialties that they work on. Yeah, if for those of you who say, I don't know if I buy it, even our government, the biggest, the biggest business in the United States is the military. Okay? They even have specialty. Now, in those specialty, do they have some overlap? Yes. But they, do, they look and they say, okay, we're going to have a specialty emphasis here or hither or yon. Okay, let's, let's bring this. I mean, it's just a part of life that says, okay, we have to be careful that we say, and when it comes to ministries, ministries ought not to try to be all things to all people at all times. So people come and they'll suggest, why don't we do this? 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 And why don't we do this? And why don't we do this? And there's nothing wrong with a lot of the things that are suggested. There's nothing evil inherently. If somebody says, why don't we develop a... Um, I'm going to just shoot off things, and if you've suggested I have nobody in mind or any... Okay, why don't we have a bowling team? Why don't we have a basketball team? Why don't we have a weight-watching group? Why don't we have a, um, a special fellowship for divorcees? Why don't we have a special item for those who are, you know, um, who... Uh, uh, handicapped kids. Why don't we do something special for the single men? Why don't we do something uniquely just for the single woman? Why don't we do something for the 20 to 29-year-olds? Okay? And only, only that age group. Why don't we do something and, and then it's, you know, why don't we have something for those who are great musicians and other orchestra? Why don't we have for those who can't sing and don't know how to sing? Let's have special classes for them to learn how to sing. Everything I'm saying has been suggested at one time or another. Okay. If we try to do everything, and again, none of them are wrong. If we try to do everything for everybody, that everything is suggested, what's going to happen? 
Then when we say, let's go out calling, let's share the gospel, then people say we are too, we're too busy. We've got too much going on in our life. And it's like, okay, why should we compete when you have all, some of these things are done in a social aspect. Go, we're not a social organization. I say that tongue-in-cheek because this morning's message is on fellowship. Okay. Yeah. But do you understand what I'm saying? Our primary business is spiritual. Okay? And so it's like, okay, what do we do? What do we choose? By the way, we can't be all things to all people. I'll give you the most controversial topic in churches right now. We can't do and please everybody with the music we do. It's impossible. Some people want really, uh, really contemporary music. Some people want very liturgical high church music. Some people want southern gospel music. Some people want jazz gospel music. Some people want... If we try to do every style of music and genre of music in a church service, we'll keep, you know, nobody's going to be happy. Because if we said, okay, we're going to blend and we're going to do all this music together, then whenever we do a really contemporary piece, the high church liturgical people will be gritting their teeth. And if we only did high church liturgical music, you know, uh, whenever we would do that, then those who came because we're doing contemporary, they would grit their teeth. So it comes to a conclusion. When somebody asks, why do we do the music we do? Because we chose to. We chose a certain style of music, and that's who we are. That's what we are. We're not trying to become all things to all people. I'll go, now I've just opened it up. Now I've just created something, okay? Um, for... I'll, 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 I'll give you another illustration. The other controversial area that people always ask about what we are is what is our Bible translation? Okay? Our, so we say, if we say to people, well, we're, we're going to be King James only, but we're also going to use all other kinds of translations. Well, then we're not King James only. So what, you know, where, where in this spectrum... And what Bible verse tells, and I'm sorry, if, if you're, you know, I'll discuss this in private, not here. I am not going to get into, um, I, calm down. <laughs> you don't have a Bible verse that says King James only. There is no such Bible verse. There just isn't. Okay? And don't say, you know, remove not the ancient landmarks. Okay? Don't, don't, don't interpret a passage erroneously. Um, and so where you get into that is we have to determine what our priorities are. Some of it has been determined by our congregation, and some of our priorities have been determined by the church leadership and saying this is where we're going to be going. And so what we do is we settle. Now, here's the problem that some of you, and I know some of you, this, it's, it triggered like it should. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9. I, I hope your mind went this way when I said we can't be all things to all men. I hope some of you said, wait a minute. The Bible says we should be. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Go there for a second. Okay, 1 Corinthians 9. So go down to verse 19. Because this passage says 
We seek to become all things to all men. So, Pastor Wayne, how do you reconcile it? Ah, very easily. But let me read the passage. He says in 1 Kings 9, verse 19, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. Unto the Jews I became a what? Jew, that I might gain some Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I may gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, as without the law, being not without the law to God, but under the law of Christ. That I might gain, gain them that are without the law. To the weak I became weak, that I may gain the weak. I, made, I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be partaker thereof with you. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run. Not as uncertainly, so fight I. Not as one that beats the air, but I keep, my, I keep under my body, or my body under subjection, he goes on, lest by any means I have preached to others and myself should be a castaway. Interesting context. Interesting. Paul is saying in this text, okay, talking about sharing the gospel with people of different backgrounds. And this is the text that's frequently used that says, okay, the re- uh, I used the illustration two weeks ago of the woman, and I use an extreme case, a woman who was a belly dancer, stripper, got saved. She wanted to use her gifts for the Lord, so she tattooed Bible verses all over and continued in that business. And the advocating verse was this passage, I become all things to all men. Okay, so that I might reach some. Is that what Paul had in mind? Did Paul have in mind that if you want to reach somebody who's an alcoholic, you have to go and drink with them? Did Paul say, if you want to reach a hooker, I'm using extreme cases, if you want to reach a hooker, you've got to go and stand at the street corner and do what she does. You would say, absolutely not. If you want to, if you want to reach somebody who is foul and, and uses, uses cuss words every other word, to reach them you have to speak and use that same profanity. Is that what Paul is saying? To reach certain people, you have to smoke what they're smoking, drink what they're drinking, do their music that they're doing, then you'll reach them. Is that what he is implying? Which, by the way, has been the conclusion that many are making in the Christian world that says we need to go down to whatever level. We need to adopt whatever practices. Is that what Paul is saying in this text? Okay, I don't think so. Paul is saying he could and would just his style and manner of presenting the truth based upon the individuals when he's talking to individuals like this. When he is in Acts chapter 16 preaching at Greece in Athens, he adjusts his preaching. He doesn't say the gospel or the Old Testament. He doesn't quote scripture, but he quotes and he says basically, ancient philosophers said. And so he's giving out truisms. And by the way, he even quoted an ancient philosopher who talks about the creator of all the world. And so he uses some of those things that aren't morally incorrect, but he uses some of their thoughts to develop a bridge by which he can have conversation with them. And, and talk with him. Now, when he's talking with the Old Testament Jews, Matthew did this, Paul did this, now he's going to quote more scripture. When you, we, we illustrate when Paul, Mark is writing to the Romans, he uses the words immediately, straight, uh, straightway, um, the words of, of force and power. And even at the point where if you, the impression I have is that if you're talking to kids, you're going to be less didactic, that is, teaching in, in depth, and you're going to be more illustrative, teaching in truth. Jesus did that in his preaching. He used a lot 
lot of stories. Because the crowd he's working with, that crowd didn't have as much didactic ability because of their legalism that they were raised under. Paul is going into different worlds, uh, worlds and when he's writing Romans, when he's writing the Philippians, he's writing to a Greek society and he gets far more didactic and, uh, and he uses a, a logical form of, of expression and uses a lot of their method of teaching that Jesus didn't use. Why? Their audience was different. Their audience was at different levels. And so becoming all things to all men doesn't mean I dip down and do the sins that they do to reach him with the gospel. Rather, you're just trying to find commonality and common road. He did not mean or advocate changing or watering down the content of the Bible. He's already preached this. He's already talked about this earlier in the book, how we didn't come and do questionable things when I bring. Chapter 2 is a whole section where Paul says, when I came to you, I didn't speak in the common rhetorical uh, rhetoric, yeah, the rhetorical method that was used in some of their formats that in the Greek, Greek society was elevating people in their leadership. And rather what he says, I came and I spoke with simplicity. By the way, the previous chapter, he's already stated, you can't do things that would stumble a brother. So when you say we become all things to all men, you've already got the premise said, you can't do things that would stumble other believers. He's already stated in, earlier in the book that he would, he would be careful not to use the popular form of medium. There was a style of speech that the Greeks were using. He said, I didn't come in that style. I spoke with simplicity and plainness and basically just presented the truth. And so in this passage, it's, it's basically discerningly presenting the truth in a way that your audience can relate to that truth. If you have more Bible knowledge, come from there. If you are less educated, use, be careful what word you're using. Um, if somebody is more educated in the philosophical, well then approach it in that regard. He did not advocate going into this idea of, of doing all things. In fact, he's ex he makes very, very clear, he makes, uh, makes clear to Timothy, Timothy, be careful. You can't become all things to all people. You don't entangle yourself. You keep in the preaching of the Word of God. Be careful that we don't get caught up with all other kinds of things. And so he's writing this and saying, we need need to be careful to keep our priorities, but we need to be sensitive in how we could best present the truth of the Word of God. Do you remember Mary and Martha? That whole story is about getting caught up with so many peripheral things that you forget what's most important. And so you have in this text Paul advocating that we need to have a high standard. In fact, he went into the story, the illustration where he talks about you've got to be self-controlled. Even as you read in verse 25 and following, you have to practice self-control, that, that you have to be going by the rules that, of what's right before God Almighty, or you're going to be disqualified for running the race. And so the text is not promoting or saying anything goes. And so with that in mind, we say, okay, what do we do now? What do we do? Okay, we, we need to be seeking for souls of people. But while we're doing that, we need to remember that in our gospel witness, we need to have holiness. In 1 Peter 3, wives who have unsaved husbands, you, you, you make sure that you're living a holy life and you are living a life that portrays the gospel. You don't become all things to all men by doing whatever he's doing that's immoral. 
He says, make sure by your chaste and pure conversation that you reach them. And so these different texts talk about that whole idea. And Paul, at times, he did have even some of his followers. When he went into Jewish society, Timothy, I'll have you be circumcised, uh, circumcised so as not to become an offense. But when it came to Titus, he said, Titus, oh, I'm not going to have it, even though it's going to upset some of the Jews. They're going to they're view this differently. They're going to all of a sudden say that we have kowtowed and given in to their pressure, and we're not going to have you because, Titus, you have a different background. You don't have any Jewish blood in you. And so Paul, at times, would respect culture, and other times he wouldn't. And that would have more race to it. And so Paul doesn't always do what the crowd tells him or asks him to do. That's the bottom line. So when we come to it, we say, okay, what are our priorities? Our priorities then will serve as a path or guide. And we pick them. It's like those meridians. You go down the road and you have those cattle chutes, okay? And they have the meridians that are here. You're supposed to follow and stay within the meridian. We are choosing certain, we have chosen, certain priorities that are like our cement barriers. And it's going to be, we're going to keep in here. This is the lane we're going to travel. We're not going to try to become all things to all people. It was like this. Here we are as a church. We're traveling down the road. What is going to keep us and guide us into making decisions? This barrier, our priorities, what we are going to say identifies us. What we are going to say, this is the church we are. For instance, we are not identifying ourselves as a King James only church. I am King James preferred. But when we have people who come and visit and they say, well, do you use only the King James? My immediate response is, no. No. We advocate using other translations as well. Okay? And, uh, and that there's, a, there's good reasons for it. And so we say this is our identity. To me, that's a very small portion of identity. But for some people, it's very important. Okay? We don't identify ourselves in our music to say we're going to become everything to everybody. No. We're going to be very conservative in our music. We chose that identity. We chose an identity that we were not as a church going to have a Christian school. For some churches, that is their identity. That is their major ministry. We chose that was not going to be what we were going to be. Okay? None of those three that I mentioned are any thus saith the Lord. There are some thus saith the Lord. And so we look and say, okay, what are going to be our choices for these barriers? What, are, what is it we are? Who are we? What have we chosen to be? Okay, and so let me make a, a caution here. When I say that these are our identities, okay, um, the warning, I'm sorry, it shouldn't have been there first. These traits that we choose should never contradict Scripture, okay, these primary traits. They should be, hopefully, Bible-based, but some of them are choice, our choice, okay? But some should be Bible-based. The traits are not equivalent to Scripture, okay? And I'm going I'm to use it again. I'm going to use music as a choice, as an illustration, Okay, we choose to be conservative in our style of music. That does not mean, thus saith the Lord, this is the only acceptable music. Okay, I, I, we choose not to be high church liturgical. We choose not to be, you know, contemporary in the style and presentation. We choose more of a middle road, traditional conservative. Okay, does that mean that anybody who goes to either side of this is sinning against Christ. You got to answer it, okay? No, no, no. 
we choose, we choose to say we're going to be more conservative in our appearance. Does that mean, and that's for those who are in the, in the presentation, does that mean anybody who doesn't wear a tie to church is unspiritual? Sure. <laughs> no. No. That, that's just, and by the way, could that choice change? There's no Bible verse for that one. Okay, but there are Bible verses for other things, such as one of our one of our conservative one of our primary priorities is this loyalty to the Word of God. This better not change ever. This one can't change. This is not a cultural one. This is a biblical based. What we mean by that is this is we believe, and this is our identity. We believe our only authority for faith and practice is the Bible. This is our identity. We are an independent church because of this. We don't have an organization, a hierarchy, telling us what to do. Our authority is the Word of God. That's what this means. So it means that we're going to present it in a clear, simple fashion with compassion but not compromise. That's, that's what we understand as biblical loyal truth. Our teaching will be our primary focus of our worship service. That's what we have chosen as a church. By the way, the teaching that I've been doing the last four weeks better say that this is really Bible-based. That we're on, this is where we're at. And that is just to make sure we're all clear. We haven't chosen any particular, uh, any particular, this is the only translation that is acceptable as the Word of God. And so we choose this. We choose it. But this one is, this one primary loyalty to biblical truth is based in Bible and what we've been teaching. There are 10 or 11 others that are our primary choices that I'll share more of it next week and wrap up. Okay, thanks. Let's get ready for worship.